Aloha. This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. Just getting out for an afternoon walk and talk. I'm thinking about magic in fantasy. And I was on a panel at uh, the local convention <laughs> that was that was the sound of my brain passing out. No. Uh, so I was at a uh, the local convention and I uh, was on a panel about magic systems and I think overall it was successful but uh, I had I, I wanted to prepare more I didn't have the headspace yeah because it was sort of shock and awe as it was my first time uh, doing panels. But but we got through it. The, f- the first sort of stop in uh, researching for myself and some of the other people was Brandon uh, Sanderson's I think it's The Laws of Magic. And the upshot of that was limitation, having having limits on magic. Other, otherwise, you have these godlike characters or you know godlike powers, and there's nothing stopping. nothing holding back the character. So you've got to have some kind of kryptonite, some kind of some kind of uh, weakness, I suppose. Just going to one of my favorite characters in fantasy, Elric of Melnabone and Elric he's this albino wizard uh, uh, and he's also like a uh, a fighter Uh, at times he's a mercenary there's kind of a Conan element to him as he travels about sometimes he's a thief Sometimes he's a wizard, sometimes he's a warrior. But the the magic in the in what I've read is it's it's all about relationships and say powers or uh, spells that happen are tied into these 
contracts or relationships with these kind of alien deities. And sometimes they'll pick up the phone. Or that they'll require a boon or some kind of some kind of recompense. So which is which is par for the course as far as uh, deities and fantasy and mythology. There's a price to pay. And it, it, it could be just say, you know, you're in the service of, but you're bound to this deity or entity. Uh, another example with Elric is his sword. I think it's, I think it's called the rune sword, but uh, this vampiric sword that has a, I'm not sure if it's a demon that is bound to the sword, kind of like a, a genie in a bottle. So it has, it has a sentience to it. But it was, I was never sure if it was... I was never sure if the sword itself was sort of like a genie that had been attached to the sword. But those are some, those are some limitations that were imposed in uh, that group of stories. Uh, another another example of limitations or limitations and yet lack of limitations in Lord of the Rings we have uh, we have we have wizards we have uh, enchantment we have magic In, in reading some of Tolkien's letters, I picked up that he divided he divided magic into two categories. And one was magic, and one was enchantment. And magic had to do with power, domination, whereas enchantment had to do with wonder. And I picked up from that panel somebody had mentioned that the, the chant in enchantment actually means uh, song and is connecting back to the original songs uh, the song at the very beginning of the Silmarillion it's a happy car I guess somebody's going for a, a happy drive, whistling, whistling while they work across the street there. All right. Oh, somebody else has put up Christmas lights. This kind of double arch of Christmas lights. It's a happy sight.
so Lord of the Rings, just even if you if you don't think of it in the sense of the division, you can you can sense it. You can you can see it in the. I I think that Tom Bombadil is the personification of, and and Tom Bombadil is this uh, singing, um, optimistic character. He seems ageless, ageless. He's been around for a long time, and he's able to. Uh, he has sort of dominion, like power over where he is. Uh, the one ring, which is this uh, symbol of power and I guess a source of power. It, you know, he's able to put it on the ring and it doesn't affect him. He's cut out of the movies, but I read him like he's he's always singing and kind of whistling while he works. But in contrast, we have Sauron and this dark lord and uh, who's who's using uh, power and domination which we which we see through the ring as it's slowly tearing Frodo apart and small reveals like say uh, Bilbo Baggins his his relationship to the ring so again well Elric Melnaboni has an object through which we see uh, enchantment but another thing that in Elric that his sword gives him is that his the sword is vampiric it takes life you know when it when it kills I think it's that it steals souls and then Elric gains uh, strength from the sword so it's it's both a parasite and there's this symbiotic relationship Uh, and the ring is the ring as well, or the ring uh, gives power, and but it's it's also uh, a corrupting force. Uh, the place I wanted to get to with Lord of the Rings was talking about uh, Gandalf. And throughout, throughout the Hobbit, and throughout Lord of the Rings, there's not much, there's not much magic happening. I think one that I just remembered for the, from the Hobbits was taking pine cones and and setting them on fire and throwing them. And I, I always, I always felt that that was, it was almost like he was lighting them on fire and throwing them down. <clears throat> I don't think they said, I don't think in the story it said that, that he actually lit them. But it was more like he was a strategist, like he was 
you know, sending people off and then showing up when they needed help. In, in the Lord of the Rings, I'm, I'm just thinking about uh, magic, the magic that he does, and. I'm having difficulty <laughs> remembering. He, he, he has a sword, these uh, slightly magical swords, and is it Glamdring? Faux Hammer? But, uh, so he, he uses a sword, like he's not blasting energy beams. And the the magic that happens, or it's it's not entirely magic. It's it's say things like uh, he'll block the way of the Balrog, or it it's almost like say uh, presence, almost like a kind of super confidence or charisma that causes things to happen. Uh, one small thing in the movies was that his the, the top of his staff lights up. Like that. I think that there might have been a crystal there and it sort of illuminates. But these are these are small um, to, to my mind they're not, it's not overwhelming. And it, it, it seems more real world, like say that magic, the magic that's happening is unseen. It's kind of like a, the force in Star Wars, which is, which is another kind of magic. It's this ESP telepathy kind of thing. I think another example that got raised had to do with Harry Potter and and this use of, use of Latin. And it's great because say when you're on the, the outside, it's, there's a slight connection to, to language. Like, say, most people, you know, would know levitate, and then, uh, I can't remember the word for it, the Latin. Anyways, there, there are these subtle uh, connections, subtle hints that... I, I thought connect the reader to 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 the spells in uh, Harry Potter. There is there is another uh, there's a division between there's the dark arts and then there's the 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 spells that most of the students at Hogwarts are learning. 
I, I think the limitation for Harry Potter is that the, the very powerful uh, magic is being kind of hidden away. It creeps out from time to time. <laughs> it creeps out. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's there in sort of drips and drops. It's, it's not just, oh, you have access to all of this magic at your fingertips. Uh, it has to be learned. So at the beginning of school, we're getting just basics. And then as we go through the books, we're getting more advanced. And rather than uh, learning the dark arts, you know, it's a class defense against the dark arts. So we're very much on one side of the equation. And the other side of the equation exists sort of in, in, in the mist. And we, we have these representatives of it who emerge... It's almost as if, too, that it's people who go off uh, investigating or dabbling, and those those people seem to... It's almost like, say, an infection, like with in the first book, where the, um, the, the teacher who's playing host to the uh, he who shall not be named... Uh, you know that that, ha- that happened because he went out. Uh, you know he left the confines, the comforts of of the the known world, and went out, and it it went bad. Uh, jumping back to Lord of the Rings, uh, if you. If you get into the Silmarillion, you find out that... I, I think, too, it might be mentioned uh, in the at the end of the Lord of the Rings, but we, we pick up <laughs> from somewhere that Gandalf is a, almost like an angelic kind of representative of the creator of... Middle Earth, or the sub-creator, as Tolkien calls him. Tolkien. Aluvatar, uh, that's the that's the sub-creator, and it it feels as though there ought to be this omniscience, or uh, that that these superpowers, this uh, magic, ought to be more pronounced. But, but both Gandalf and Saruman, who's, who's the same type of being, I, oh, I want to say a mayor, but that might be wrong. Anyways, they're, they're from the same, cut from the same cloth. And both of their magic seems to be seems to have to do with influence. 
that they have a bit, an ability to sway people. I believe uh, I forget the name, but it's it's the king of the Rohirrim, I believe, who who uh, accuses Gandalf of and, and to I think Wormtongue is in there, and there's this outright observation that Gandalf brings I think they might call him Grey Crow but that he brings uh, uh, not a curse but he he brings kind of like um, bad news travels with him or that you know he that he causes trouble wherever he goes he's a troublemaker and, and of course, we're, you know, we're on the other side. We, we like Gandalf. But it, it does feel that way, that it's all about rallying the troops and getting people ready to stand and fight rather than be submissive and acquiesce to... What's that word... Or, ah, the the totalitarian uh, regime or influence. So, so magic in that world seems very much about influences. And as I said before, Tom Bombadil on one extreme versus uh, Sauron on the the other extreme. And the thing I like about Tom Bombadil is that Tom Bombadil is this vitality rather than this creature of, of light. He's a creature of life. And he and his wife, Goldberry, are... It's, it's, it's as though they are... Uh, it's nature. Uh, that nature and life are these good things versus I'm, I'm just sort of going to extremes of sort of, you know, this division of of uh, the, the spirit and the body you know, this, this notion that you know, the world has fallen a, 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 a Christian, Judaic Christian notion that we live in this fallen, broken world, and it's, it's a bad thing, whereas, you know, our, of course I want to jump to psyche, but uh, the, the contrast is, is that, oh, you know, our spirits, we can, we can better our spirits and we can become um, full of light and, and that's better. But Tom Bombadil, he's this representative of uh, the vitality of nature, I guess I'm wanting to say. And that, that gets me thinking about uh, the notion of uh, Tolkien's being against uh, industry and technology uh, that is 
destroying nature, uh, destroying the vitality of uh, trees, for example. And you have another representative in um, Treebeard. Uh, that as well, that there's the enchantment that has to do with the the ants, the tree ants, and Treebeard, that it's, it's almost like, say, something inanimate has been animated, it's been brought to life. Uh, we have a, a magic potion, right, that he gives Mary and Pippin. It just doesn't feel like extremes. Uh, and it, it could be. I sort of I sort of wonder about that right now. Like, well, why why isn't it? Why why doesn't Gandalf shoot lasers out of his eyes or you know have energy blasts or uh, have the spells that we see in Dungeons and Dragons, right? This huge list of spells. And Gandalf doesn't carry around his spell book. You know, to to open magic doors, you have to have uh, the right word, <laughs> or it has to be you know uh, the right time of year uh, in the Hobbit. Uh, you know that you know at a certain time you'll be able to see the the hidden keyhole to open the secret door. And on, on, on another side of that, there are the, the elves who, who, are, who dwell in this, this kind of uh, wonderment, right? That they are, you know, everything, or not everything, but say, you know, they and where they live, uh, wh- how they live. They live in this sort of, I want to say it's a hyper-reality that, that uh, to, to the hobbits, to say us, it seems magical, but it's illusions. And, that, and to that, I'm arguing that. It, it seems like illusions. But uh, there are differences. They're you know, very long-lived. Uh, I believe immortal. And uh, they're able to create these rings of... I don't know if they're rings of power, but... Where, where I'd like to go to now is uh, another argument and some, somewhere that we didn't go on the panel but I, I find myself like say I'm sort of connected there already with talking about Elric and Malmaboni and talking about Lord of the Rings that there is an 
element of uh, supernatural, the supernatural, in both. And for Elric of Meldeboni, it's uh, making these um, agreements or contracts uh, or calling these alien deities to... I believe, like, say, once Elric calls on this kind of insect deity to uh, pay pay the debt. I think they, I think it's sort of like a final bit of the contract, and then Elric is not supposed to uh, phone this this deity. And. It it's there's there's something elemental about about some of these uh, larger than life characters that they ha- that they control they have dominion over some kind of element like or environment uh, the one I just referenced it had to do with uh, insects right so it had had control over uh, insects and it gives this over control over. But it was also the last uh, part of that of that deal, that contract. Uh, the the supernatural in Lord of the Rings it ought to be um, fairly obvious from. That I mentioned, especially with talking about, say, a, a sub-creator, this you know, Iluvatar, and we're talking about, you know, these super powerful beings, this uh, pantheon, <clears throat> fantasy pantheon. And an, an, another one, if you haven't uh, checked it out, uh, Lord Dunsany. Uh, he was also an earl, but if you check out Lord Dunsany, I think one of them is um, it's like the Book of Wonder, or uh, there's another one called the Gods of something, uh, P something. And that that has some great um, fantasy. Uh, I'm sh- I'm sure it's sort of riffing off of the Greek pantheon, and by extension, this, the Proto-European, Proto-Indo-European. So, uh, Middle-earth has this connection to the, to the supernatural, and, and yet with this huge amount of restraint, uh, we have supernatural uh, creatures such as the Balrog. And I would almost say that the original Pantheon, that they have uh, either a majority of the power or, or all of the power. And you know, they're shaping the world and uh, 
know, breaking stuff up, sinking islands, and the wrath of the gods and goddesses. But this this you know, diminishes as as we go through the Silmarillion to finally where we are, and you know, the old powers have retreated. So, so even though there's this potential of uh, omniscience, it it has these restraints. Uh, you know, there's magic items. Oh, hey! It's the Hello. good to see you again. Good to see you. I see you're being well well watched. Oh, very much. <laughs> All the time. Excellent job. Yeah. Take care. That was a woman with, uh, I think it was the Border Collie. And the, the dog runs ahead and then watches and uh, seems very playful. And so they're out, out in the rain for a walk. And my argument that it's dogs that are walking people. <clears throat> Uh, so, switching gears uh, slightly, uh, I'm watching, right now I'm watching uh, Buffy uh, the Vampire Slayer, and uh, the magic in, in that show is overt, and... Uh, Things are being uh, enchanted, and we have uh, magic spells. It's it, it feels like almost every episode has some some type of uh, some type of magic that that uh, say people are able to um, control and people are able to invoke it has it has a it has a bit of both it has um, and and by both I'm, I'm thinking it has influence but then like say it it has sorry I'm just getting back to this division of uh, magic or domination versus enchantment, which is wonder. And to it, the big division is power and wonder. So we see both. We see both sides of that in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, there's, there's also uh, magic being used for. Uh, and two, I'm using the terms loosely now, so maybe it'd be better to say enchantment and then, and then magic. Uh, I'm going to have trouble with that, so I'll just I'm just going to stick with magic and maybe make adjustments to that. So the, the show I just just saw today, it's season three. I think it's episode. Something like episode seven, maybe, and 
there's this magic gauntlet that uh, uses lightning. And the limitation is that once you put it on, you can't take it off. And so there's, there's something of a curse, but I mean, if you're really bent on power, you know, that, that you're going to go after this thing and you, you don't mind suffering a little bit. You don't want to get athlete's foot, or athlete's hand, I guess it would be. <clears throat> Uh, once again, we have this. We have. We have um, people who who want power. There's cults, and there's uh, individuals who who want power, and I. It, it's, I read the show as that Buffy and her friends are on the side of uh, wonder. You know, it's love, or, you know, the hope, the hope for love. Uh, and that, that division of love into family, friend, lovers... Uh... a long uh and then on on the flip side we have uh the the side of power so wonder versus power and that's being represented represented by these it's it, i find it interesting that buffy is She's confronting uh, these vampires, but rather than not going there, uh, we we go there. Uh, that Joss Whedon is calling them demons, and so it's they are these vampires are uh, these people are infected with um, these dark entities, by dark and evil. So there's this, there's this contrast between, and we don't really have representatives of good at at this point in the show. Um, We have people with good intentions. Uh, We have the Watchers. Um, Giles is one of the Watchers, and he is assisting and training. Uh, but you know, he doesn't shoot lightning bolts from his fingertips. He does have access access to uh, magic. Uh, he, uh, you know, it's, it's all written down. It is you know research lore. Uh, and he's able to cast spells 
assemble ingredients and say the right words. And, uh, and at this stage of the show, Willow is just getting involved in that. And it's interesting that uh, they bring in uh, Wicca, I, I believe it's been referenced a couple of times, which is like how I'm interpreting it as uh, neo-paganism. So there's, there's that. But the representatives of quote-unquote good seem to be uh, human, that there's these human agents and then the representatives of evil are these uh, vampires, and but also uh, humans that you know uh, want power, and uh, they are a greedy lot. So we're just shifting into the last bit of this episode I'm, I'm having I'm having an episode of uh, right one of the other elements uh, that is being used I was I was thinking the other day of how to to broach this and an, ex- an example is with the current show Walking Dead based on the graphic novel and we have zombies that have no connection to voodoo except for the, the name zombie and that it's what is that called? a pandemic? So that there's a uh, a plague, basically. It's a plague. And and, and, th- and that's been going on for for a while. Uh, since since I guess the late sixties. But then you have stories like I Am Legend. And I, I think that there was no supernatural uh, connection in in that story. Say, it's it's we we are moving away from the supernatural and into the scientific. Uh, something I get from from Buffy is this. A, a, a bit of uh, moral ambiguity that say we have uh, vampires that you know, are quote unquote good that they've been cursed or they've you know, had a chip implanted and it you know it flips the switch. And, and so it's not, it's not entirely black and white, and and vice versa. We have uh, people that are alive and living who 
serve evil. And one one thing I liked noticing was that uh, Buffy wears a cross throughout. I think it's throughout the first first season, first season, second season. But say when she wants to get close to uh, Vampire Angel, she doesn't wear the cross. And I wonder about when they, if they reboot the show, if they will swing towards science, you know, and say, okay, we're not going to do uh, magic. I don't see how they can. Also, too, there are shows that that do have, uh, current shows that do have magic. So it's, it's not like it's disappeared. It's more, it's, it's more like it's become kind of a, like a, <laughs> like a ghost story, you know, and that, I don't want to say that, you know, people, you know, oh, people have stopped believing in ghost stories. Uh, because uh, that's not the case. I've met people who totally believe in ghosts and spirits. And that's, that's their thing. Uh, but yeah, the magic that's happening in uh, such shows as Supernatural and the current show is uh, Sabrina, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and I, I, I think it's that there's this desire for control over over our surroundings and other people. Uh, in, in one sense, control or influence. If, if looking at it, say you could, you could go to, uh, you know, say, who, who brings wonder into the world? And who, who brings power into the world? We use uh, power to limit people, right? And sort of say, okay, well, we have a set of rules that we want everybody, most people, everybody to live by. Right? You know, you're, you're not supposed to do these things. Um... There's, there's the big moral stuff, like, you know, don't hurt or kill people. And then there's the sort of, almost like the, really the bylaws. You know, uh, you know you'll, you'll get a fine if you um, do, a, do a certain activity that is you know, dangerous for ourselves and for other people. Or even just say financially. Rules and regulations. But uh, in magic, it could be seen as, 
as embodying these desires for uh, control over one's own life and then other people uh, influencing. And also uh, countering most, most of the magic and stories that I've encountered has to do with, you know, the main, main characters are usually, uh, you, you can connect with them, they are kind and decent people who, uh, you know, want, want the world to be healthier in the, in the sense of, say, I'm thinking of Tom Bombadil, who's got this, uh, vivacious, I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, life, life and liberty, uh, versus, versus the people that don't, you know, usually the villain is, uh, negating life and liberty, and I'm, I'm thinking of the magic that's used, uh, It's interesting, too, to see stories where someone will use, say, uh, dark magic in order to, you know, for a good, a good deed or a good task. In, in their mind, they're sort of, I want to fix this situation. And it's interesting reading stories where there's warnings against that. Uh, some stories say don't do anything at all. You know, it's best to stay away from that stuff. Because once you, once you get involved, you will, you know, you'll have a debt to pay, or, uh, you know, all of a sudden you're uh, attracting the attention of difficult times. I remember one story I talked about... Uh, almost like a monkey's paw scenario. And the monkey's paw is this short story where you get you get three wishes or four, but each each wish uh, like say you ask for a good thing and you will be cursed. So I'm just wondering if you ask for a, a curse if you'll get a good thing. <laughs> uh Yeah, so, so there's a, a cautionary tale. There you go. It's a cautionary tale. Uh, personally, the worst... And I think this is a good place to end on. The worst part of... Uh, the worst part of the supernatural is that people, people actually believe in this stuff. Uh... Is recently, you know, within I don't know ten years, and I was reading about um, children that were being persecuted uh, because they were. I think it was uh, uh, albino. It was, uh, it was an albino. I, anyways, I'm not sure of the gender, but uh, the the upshot was that this uh, child was killed because they were different. Uh, there was this belief in the supernatural and um, you know, it was 
it was a literal, literal witch hunt. It was, um, you know, we got to get rid of this kid because this kid is bringing basically bad luck, right? And all ills are being attributed to, uh, you know, a child, an ostracized child. Um, and, you know, sad to say that that still exists. And 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 there's a there's a story there that is has got to be told to remind us that you know, that this is fictional, right? That this is kind of allegorical, right? Symbolic. It's about our uh, struggle with uh, sides of ourselves that are you know not nice. Right, you know, and so, so that uh, go, going into shows like, say, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and contrasting it with this uh, difficult stuff going on in the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Uh, you know, uh, what's what's the message here? And. Yeah. Um, I, I I prefer some I prefer some distance from the the religious extremes of the supernatural. Uh, but like I said, there's there's an important um, important story to, to tell there because extremism does happen. You know, people seek comfort and cover and uh, they take this this stuff uh, seriously you know, that they want to it, it's almost like wanting uh, an enemy looking for uh, an enemy that you know to demonize uh, you know a person or uh, a group and that's I, I would argue that that's that's the story to talk about with uh, within magic, and I appreciate stories like um, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's uh, you know that's talking about the the difficulty, the struggle um, between uh, power and wonder, or say uh, <laughs> oh Harry Potter. Where you know, likewise, there's this element of um, racism. It, it's it's, uh, it's, a, it's bigotry, and saying that you know the Muggles uh, are uh, mud bloods. They have dirty blood. They're not pure bloods. You know, that's getting right back to eugenics and that you know racial su- superiority, not just racial, but um, uh, ideological superiority right? rather rather than having rather than respecting uh, uh, another person <laughs> this is connecting to yesterday's uh, episode well that's that's a lot of words and thanks for listening um, the it, it's been it's been great to talk to find myself bringing up Tom Bombadil and his you know, this character filled with life, uh, 
who on one on one side doesn't seem to be such uh, a large part of the plot. You know, they, you easily cut Tom Bombadil out as they did in the movies, but that uh, you know, that those chapters are I would say a large part of the story that it's it's important to the important to the story to the themes um, and and a lovely contrast you know not just saying you know oh good versus evil but life right? you know, somebody who's passionate about living and uh, whistles while he works and uh, you know, speaking in rhyme you know and uh, Enchantments. There we go. He's chanting. It's enchantment. All right. Take care.